You are listening to Pastor Fred Neal III of Harvest Community Church in Catanning, Pennsylvania. We pray that you will be challenged today as you listen to a sermon entitled, Forgive Us Our Debts, recorded on April the 10th, 2016. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org. Let's join Pastor Fred as he preaches. To increase the health and size of God's church everywhere. And so we know if we're going to accomplish our mission, we've got to be a church that prays. And so we've focused in on a few things that we want to pay special attention to for this series. And this is, this is the last of the three sermons that you're going to hear on prayer. And specifically, uh, today we're going to be talking about praying from a forgiven heart and from a forgiving heart. And so uh, I think this is a very interesting topic. It's a subject that it would be impossible to cover the subject of forgiveness thoroughly in one sermon. And so I expect that for many of you, this will uh, bring to mind some questions that you'd like to ask and some things that you need some clarification on or some things you just need to wrestle through a little bit, maybe with some other believers. So I would encourage you to take those questions with you to community group and be prepared for some good discussion this week. And so maybe as things come up this, uh, through this message today, write down some things you want to talk about in community group if those do come up, uh, as I think in many instances they will. So I don't know if you've ever really struggled with forgiving somebody who has done something wrong to you, but of course that's a very common human experience and it's a very common Christian experience. Christians are not immune to the hurt that is done to us by others. Sometimes it's even magnified uh, for us as Christians. Yet we know that we, we serve a forgiving God and we are called to be a forgiving people. So that's what we want to look at today. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're going to be for our message. We're in what's called the Lord's Prayer. All three of these sermons on prayer have come from this short passage where Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And he, and he tells them first not, how not to pray. And then he says, pray then like this. And he gives us, after, after that, he gives us six things that we are to pray for. And we've talked about a couple of those already. Today I want to talk about the fifth of those six things. The sixth one we won't actually get to in this series along with a couple of the other ones. But for that reason, because I want to focus just on this, this one prayer that Jesus tells us to pray uh, in verse 12, I'm going to read verse 12, and then verse 13 finishes the prayer. But I'm not going to read verse 13 because we're not going to talk about it. Uh, but I do want to read 14 and 15. So I'm going to read verses 12 and then verses 14 and 15. The reason for that is, is that in Matthew's account of Jesus uh, giving the Lord's Prayer, he immediately follows that up with something else that Jesus said about the issue of forgiveness. And so that's what ver verses 14 and 15 are. They're not part of the prayer. Uh, they're sort of a follow-up, uh, an emphasis on the point that Jesus is making. So you've had time now. If you're looking at your Bibles, I'll read Matthew 6, verses 12, 14, and 15. Jesus said, and, pr and, and pray then like this, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Then verses 14 and 15, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So we have in this, in this passage of Scripture the prayer. Jesus says, pray for the forgiveness of your debts. By the way, debts 
or as it says in verses 14 and 15, trespasses. Sometimes we hear the word used in translating these verses, transgressions. Those all mean the same thing. They all essentially mean sin. And so Jesus is saying, pray that you would be forgiven of your sins. Now, those different words have slightly different implications, and there are nuances to each of those words that are significant, but for today, we don't need to worry about that. Today, we just need to understand Jesus is instructing us to pray for the forgiveness of our sins. So if we look at this passage, there's, there's a very simple way I want to break this down into two parts. First is the prayer. Jesus says, pray this, we should pray this. We don't need to use necessarily all the time those exact words. As we've already said, Jesus is giving us a model for prayer. He's saying, here are the things you should pray for. And so if you're ever not sure what to pray for, you can turn to the Lord's Prayer. He gives you six things. And there's, there's great variety in the things that he tells us to pray for. But first we have the, the prayer request, which I think, relatively speaking, is the easy part. Jesus says, pray for God to forgive you of your sins. Well, yeah, sure, I, I would love to do that. I want to be forgiven. And so, you know, there may be some obstacles to praying that. We'll talk about some of those a little bit later. But for the most part, that's the easy part. Pray that God would forgive you. The second part of the sermon and how, how I'm splitting up the, our passage here today is much more difficult because Jesus doesn't just say, pray that God would forgive you of your sins. He says, pray and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lest we miss the point that Jesus is making, Matthew includes verses 14 and 15 where Jesus said, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus sort of slips in this very loaded statement when he says, pray, Father, forgive us our debts. But he doesn't leave it at that. He says, as we also have forgiven our debtors. The reason why Jesus includes that statement and why Matthew follows up the Lord's Prayer with verses 14 and 15, where he really nails that point home, we're going to talk about in, in, in a little bit. But let's focus first on the prayer. So the first part of this sermon, and the first thing I want to talk about is what Jesus tells us to pray for, and then the second part, what he says comes along with that, okay? So the first thing that we're talking about, and forgive us our debts. As we've already said, debts are sins. Sin is a debt. When you sin, there's, you, you owe God a debt. We, we owe God our complete obedience. And so when we don't give him our complete obedience, there is a debt to be paid. Furthermore, there's a punishment. There's a punishment that our sin earns. And that is also part of the debt that we owe to God. And so this sounds very simple, but there are at least three things that I think are implicated when Jesus says, pray, forgive us our debts that I want to talk about today. So if you have that message application point sheet that Pastor Kevin referenced. Please get that out. Let's begin filling in the blanks here together. The three implications from our text and forgive us our debts. The first one is that we need to be forgiven. This, this may seem obvious, but it, it can be overlooked. 
we, you and I, have a need to be forgiven by God. We live in a world that sort of has this attitude about God that, you know, whoever you are, whatever you've done, I'm sure God is okay with all of that. Some of our highest cultural ideals these days seem to be tolerance and being non-judgmental of other people. Who, who are we to judge? Well, that may, that may at times be a very noble characteristic to have, to be non-judgmental, but let's, let's be certain about one thing here. God is not tolerant. God, in, in a sense, is extremely judgmental. He has an opinion. He has more so a judgment of everything you and I have ever done. He's keeping track. He has a record of the things that you and I have done. And he is not tolerant of sin. That's actually good news for you and I. There's bad news. That means that we are sinners. We are indebted. We are. We deserve to be judged by Him. But ultimately, we ought to be glad that God is this way. We want God to be just. We want God to be holy, to be righteous, because it is His justice. It is His non-tolerance of sin. It is His judgment that sin is wrong and that those who, who sin earn their punishment that ensures us that one day this world will be free of all that we hate. We want God to get rid of things in the world like ISIS, like rape, like child abuse. We want God to hate those things. We want Him to eventually to eradicate them from the world. And yes, He will do that. But in order to do that, God must deal with the sin that is in our hearts which is the root of all of those things. And so may, it may seem overwhelming that God is keeping an account of my wrongs. It may seem overwhelming that God is sure to judge every sin, but ultimately it's, it's our hope. It, it is the hope that we have that God is one day going to make this world free from all of those things. That's what we call heaven. Free from sin, where God has completely dealt with. God has done away with all of, all of the sin in the world. But here's the point. God is a just God who hates sin. And if He hates sin, that means He hates your sin. That means that He judges the sin that is in your heart, the sins that you and I have committed. If God is just, we are guilty Therefore, we desperately need God's forgiveness. Jesus says, pray then like this, forgive us our debts. That is an acknowledgement that what I just said is true, that we are in debt to a holy and righteous God, that we have sinned before Him, that there is a penalty that is due. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins Forgiveness is necessary. You and I, if we are going to relate properly to God, need to be forgiven. And so that's the first thing that I think is implicated here. 
that forgiveness is necessary. We need to be forgiven. But the next thing here is that not only do we need forgiveness, but also that forgiveness is possible. Forgiveness is possible because Jesus Christ has come and He has taken God's just wrath for our sin on Himself. Forgiveness is possible because God has already punished sin in His Son on the cross. Forgiveness is not only needed, it is possible. And that's the good news of the Gospel. That we can be forgiven. Too many people walk around thinking... This, they have this mindset, God could never forgive me. I've, I've done things that God just could never forgive. That is it, to underestimate the sufficiency of what Jesus has done. To think that God cannot forgive you is to doubt that what Jesus did on the cross was sufficient for your sins. To think that God cannot forgive you is to think that your sin is greater than His Son hanging on the cross. We, we, we promote this idea. I'm not, I'm not picking on this, this saying. It's not a big deal, really, unless we truly believe it. But we often say uh, uh, about people that if they came to church, the roof would come down on top of them. Well, that's just nonsense when you think about it. The church is the one place that they can and should come and expect that that God's mercy will reach down to them regardless of what they have done. There, There are no sinners that God can't reach with His mercy and forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't only necessary, it's possible. God can forgive any sinner who comes to Him. It's because what He did on the cross was enough. He has sufficiently paid for those sins. But other people think, well, they don't, they don't doubt that God could forgive. They doubt that God would forgive. Some people walk around with this heavy, this heavy load of condemnation or this, I think it comes out of some sort of lack of self-worth that says God would never forgive me. He just wouldn't do it. There's no way that God would love me. No way that God would find me fit to accept into His family. If that's you today, I I don't know how you got there. I don't know what past broken relationship convinced you that you're so unlovable. But I want to tell you about a God who describes Himself as love. He loves you in a way maybe that no human being ever has. He finds you completely lovable. He created you for that very purpose, that He might love you. Whatever it is that has led to your lack of of self-worth that causes you to look in the mirror and see someone whom God could never love, you are believing a lie. God loves you with a perfect love. He loves you with an infinite love. And to go on reciting that line that God could not love you is nothing short of a lack of faith. You are choosing not to believe God. You are choosing to believe your own emotions. You are choosing to believe what somebody has told you in the past. You are choosing to believe something other than God. 
God says He can and He does love you. God says He can and He will forgive you. Forgiveness is possible to everyone who comes to Him. But He doesn't forgive those who don't believe Him or trust Him. You see, that's the condition. The condition is faith, which says, faith says, I believe that God is who He says He is in His Word and that He does what He says He's going to do in His Word. That's faith, to believe that God can and God will forgive me if I come to Him. And so you can't go on believing and and repeating these lies that I could not or I would not be forgiven if I came to God. You must exchange that for faith that you can and that you will if you come to Him now. Because He doesn't forgive those who don't believe Him, but for those who come to Him humbly with faith, believing that He is right when He says that He is good and that He's loving and that He's merciful, He gives forgiveness. And so this prayer that Jesus tells us to pray, forgive us our debts, it reminds us that we need forgiveness. It assures us that forgiveness is possible, but it also implies to us the third thing, that forgiveness is not automatic. Make no mistakes about this point, that forgiveness is just not automatically applied to you when you were born, or when you reach a certain age or when you hear the message of Jesus. Forgiveness is never automatic. It is always given in exchange for this sincere prayer that, Father, forgive us our debts. God, forgive me. I am a sinner. I know that you you love me and that you will forgive me. And so I come to you in faith asking you to forgive me. Forgiveness is not automatic. For the non-Christian, for those who aren't saved, this is... This is a terrible thing to believe. It is, it is an eternal mistake to, believe, to continue believing that just because Jesus died to pay for your sins, that that has already been applied to you. If you have not come to Jesus in faith and seeking salvation through the repentance of your sin and the surrendering of your life to Him, then His forgiveness has not been applied to you. It doesn't just happen because you're here and because He came. You must ask for it. You must receive it with faith. It's not automatic. And, and, and the scary thing is, is that people who have heard the gospel, who, heard, who have heard that Jesus died for their sins, and yet just go on living their life the way they've always lived it, and if you were to ask them, when you die, are you going to heaven? And they would say, yeah. And you say, why? And they say, because Jesus died for my sins. Is, is that all faith is, is to know that it happened? Or is faith coming to Him and receiving that gift of salvation? It's, it's not automatic. You must come to Him. You must enter into that relationship with Him through repentance and surrender to receive His forgiveness. It doesn't just happen. You must come seeking. And so humble yourself today. And know the great mercy of God. For Christians, this is equally important. Though it's not a matter of heaven or hell or a matter of salvation. Christian, your need in asking God for forgiveness is not a need of salvation. It's not a need of justification. Those things are yours when you became saved. 
At, at the moment you put your faith in Christ to be your salvation and you were born again, those became permanently yours. God does not give salvation and then take it back and then give it again and take it back and then give it again. It is yours. You are saved. You are justified by His blood. But that does not mean you should not come to Him and ask for forgiveness of your sins. Because now you're in a relationship with God. And in a relationship, there needs to be this type of reconciliation between us when we've done something wrong. For us Christians, sin grieves the Holy Spirit, and often sin is the decision to go in the other direction, away from God. And so repentance is is turning back to God and saying, I don't want to keep going that way. I want to come back here to where you are, God. And so it's it's a very healthy practice for Christians to regularly seek God's forgiveness for our sins. Though it may not be a matter of salvation, it is a, a matter of intimacy with your heavenly Father. And just like, just like your earthly father, you sin, you do something against him. He doesn't throw you out of the family, but there's a rift in the relationship. And that rift needs to be repaired by coming back to him and saying, look, here's what I did and I know it was wrong and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And if he's a good dad, he'll say yes I absolutely forgive you. But our Heavenly Father always says, yes, I absolutely forgive you. He he is always there ready to just wash that sin away and to give in its place His forgiveness. But you must come and you must ask for it. Jesus would not tell us to pray for something that we don't need. We need His forgiveness even as Christians. And so we come to Him. Christians who who never come back and ask for forgiveness of their sins again after being saved. Those are, those are like those guys who, they get married, they say, I do, and they look at their wives and they say, I told you I loved you the day I married you, and if I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> it doesn't go well for those guys. Those guys don't, don't have... The, the marriage that they ought to, and so it is with us Christians. We, we need to not be so bullheaded, but we need to humble ourselves. Humbly come back to God saying, here's where I have sinned, here's where I've gone wrong. Will you forgive me? Jesus says to pray, forgive us our debts. And so these three things, I think, are implied in that. Jesus wouldn't tell us to pray for something we, we don't need. He wouldn't tell us to pray for something that he's not going to give. And he wouldn't tell us to pray for something that has ultimately already been given. He, he tells us to pray for forgiveness. And so we ought, to, we ought to respond in obedience and make that a regular part of our prayers. So that's part one. That's the first thing I, I, that's obvious here. But there's this, there's this sort of over... Uh, this, this looming thought that Jesus interjects into this prayer. He doesn't just tell us to pray for forgiveness. He adds these words. He says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Well, what if I haven't forgiven my debtors? What if I haven't forgiven those who have sinned against me? Yes, I, I'm willing to come to God and say, God, will you forgive me for what I've done? But I don't know that I'm ready to go to so-and-so and say, hey, I forgive you. I don't know if I'm ready to let go of that hurt. 
I don't know if I'm ready to just get over what they did to me yet. Jesus says these very difficult words to hear. In verse 14, he says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. We could live with that. But he says in verse 15, But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. As as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now certainly Jesus is is wise to what he is saying here. Jesus, I love how efficient with words Jesus can be at times. I love how he can just slide something in that's going to leave us wrestling with it the rest of our lives. He doesn't just say, when you pray, pray that God would forgive you, but when you pray, pray out of a heart that has forgiven others. Here's the next thing on your map. It says, Christians who ask God for forgiveness for their sins but won't extend forgiveness to others, have some explaining to do before God. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Oh, and by the way, if you forgive others your trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Wow, really God? You're going to lay that on us? That's, that's the deal here, that if we want to be forgiven, we need to be forgiving people. Jesus emphatically says yes. And that's because he knows something about the way you and I work that maybe is even unfamiliar to us, and we'll look at that in a moment. But Jesus tells this parable to help us understand what he's saying here. In Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35, he tells this story about forgiveness, and I want to read it to you. But first, I've got to warn you, this is, this is not short. It's not long. It's, it's 15 verses, but it's probably longer than, than you're used to having uh, someone read to you. And so you've got to work to focus. I don't want you to miss this, so please pay attention as best you can to what I'm about to read. In Matthew 18, Peter asked Jesus a very logical question. It says, In verse 21, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Then he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. It sounds like a big number. It is a big number. I'll translate it for you in a moment, but let me just read. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Again, I'll tell you how much that is in a minute. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. 
He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said, You wicked servant. Then his master, oh, I'm sorry, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Nice story, Jesus. But then he says, verse 35, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Those are heavy words from Jesus, but let's look at this parable so that we can understand. First and most obvious thing is this man's reaction to his fellow servant is absurd. It's, it's absurd. Think, let's look at the amounts that were owed. This is where the absurdity comes from. So this man, was, he, he had this debt of 10,000 talents. These were laborers. Okay, These were low-income working men. They were servants of the king. They had, unlike perhaps in our situation today, they had no hope of climbing the ladder or career advancement. The rest of their life they were going to be servants and they were going to make the same amount that they were making. That, that would not, that could not change for them. And so how much does this man owe is very significant. If you were to translate what this man owed, it's actually measured by the amount of time he would have to work to pay this debt off. But if you were to translate it into dollar amounts, he owes this debt of somewhere around $6 billion. So today, if you're a, if you're a laborer making, let's say, $15 an hour, and you work the rest of your life, how close will you be, be, be to paying off a debt of $6 billion dollars. You would have to work lifetime after lifetime after lifetime after lifetime after lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. This is an unrepayable debt. This man has no means whatsoever of ever paying back this debt. He cannot do it. He has no hope of being able to pay this debt back. But the king has mercy on him and he doesn't say, I realize this is a large debt. You don't have this much money. Keep working, though. I'll let, you, I'll let you keep making payments. He forgives the debt. He says, this, this one's on me. I'll, I'll, just, I'll take the loss. You, the debt is, is gone. Just consider it repaid. It's erased. The loss is mine. You're forgiven. And this man, he, this same man, he goes out after being forgiven by the king of this unrepayable debt. He goes out and he finds the guy who owes him what the Bible says is a hundred denarii. Translated to today's dollar, that's probably about $12,000. Or in their terms of, these are, again, a fellow laborer, it would take this man about 20 weeks of labor to repay him this debt. So here's the thing. It's not insignificant, this debt. It's a nice chunk of change. It's, 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 it's not something that could just be forgotten or shrugged off. It's a significant debt. But when you compare it to the debt that this man was forgiven, 
when you compare $12,000 to $6 billion, when you compare 20 weeks of labor to what would take a huge number of lifetimes to repay. And so the king hears of this man's actions. And he says, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And what does he say in verse 33? And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? What the king realizes is that this man's heart has been unchanged by his mercy. What the king no doubt thought would would radically change this man for the rest of his life. I just forgave him a debt he could never repay. The king now realizes this man's heart has gone completely unchanged. He hasn't learned anything. And so in a sense, this this man, he's already in prison. Because he... This man, the king attempted to set him free. He said, you're free. I forgive the debt. You owe nothing. With the expectation that he would go and do the same. And he realizes this man's heart is unchanged by his mercy. And so he throws him into a physical prison that only emphasizes the point that his heart was always still in prison. Jesus ties together the forgiveness we desire from God. This is the next thing on your map. To the forgiveness He commands us to extend to others. Why? Why does Jesus do that? That's maybe the most important question that I have come up with as studying this verse. Why, Jesus? Why? Why can't you forgive me without me forgiving somebody else? The answer is Jesus understands your heart and how it works. And he understands that this ultimately is a heart issue. His forgiveness, it's 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 he can just hand out forgiveness. He could just give you, grant you the forgiveness you ask for. But what he wants is your heart to be changed. It's not that he can't forgive those who don't forgive others. It's that he won't. Because the purpose in his forgiveness is to change our hearts. And if his forgiveness is not going to change our heart, then ultimately it does absolutely no good in achieving the purpose that he has. He wants you to be new He wants you to be set free. He wants you to experience all the fruit of forgiveness. He knows that this is about more than the debt. It's about the condition of our hearts. And so he says, pray like this, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then goes on to say, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Why is it like that, Jesus? It's because if you lack the heart condition that allows you to extend forgiveness to other people, then ultimately you lack the heart condition that allows you to receive God's forgiveness for your sins. You see, here's the point Jesus is making. You can't just say these words 
You can't just say, Father, forgive me of my debts. Prayer is not about the words you say, it's about the condition of your heart. Prayer is not some magic wand that that, that you just wave over your sins and they go away. Say these words and your sins are gone. Prayer, Jesus is saying, is an opportunity for you to align your heart with God's. Prayer is an opportunity for you to understand how your Father works, what He wants for your life, and how He wants you to live, how He wants you to think, how He wants you to respond to other people. Forgiveness, in a sense, it's like, it's, if, it was, if it were a road, it's like a small two-lane country road, like we have a lot of around here. Forgiveness If it were road, it's not like a four-lane highway with a barrier in between. Because on a four-lane highway, if there's an accident heading eastbound, it does not influence traffic heading westbound. You can shut down one direction and keep the other direction going. But if there's an accident on a small country road, traffic both ways has to stop while they fix this. And that's what forgiveness is like. In our hearts, the way we are wired, the way God created us to be, if forgiveness is going to flow one direction, it's got to flow the other direction. And if we shut down forgiveness heading in one direction, then ultimately the whole thing is shut down. Jesus knows that. He knows that, and that's why he lays this on us. He doesn't doesn't give this to us as a burden to carry. He gives this to us to help us understand the way our hearts are wired to work. Ultimately, what he's working on is not settling the debt. He's working on changing your heart. And that's what he wants for you. But we get, we get discouraged by this, what Jesus says here, because so often we get, we get hung up on the side of forgiveness where we have to forgive other people. Yeah, sure, sometimes there are difficulties to, to receiving forgiveness, and we've talked about some of that already, but a lot of Christians sort of get derailed when it comes to forgiving other people. And I mean good, Jesus-loving, sincere Christians like me. And like a lot of people in this room, we we struggle with this idea of having to offer forgiveness to those who hurt us. And so the last thing on your map there, there's three, well actually three things, the last section on your map there, it says general guidelines when forgiving others is difficult. And what I want to talk about is what you can and what you should do when you get to that place in your walk where you're like, I'm really, I'm just having a hard time letting go of that. I want to, I want to forgive, or maybe, maybe not even that. How many of us would admit there are times when we don't even want to forgive? We just want to hold it against them. We want them to pay for what they have done. And so it says on your map, general guidelines when forgiving others is difficult, or, or perhaps a better way of thinking of this. Things you can do to attack the bitter root of unforgiveness in your heart. Things that, things that God calls you to do that are essentially waging war on the sin in your heart. And that's how I, I want you to think of this. You are not helpless when you feel difficulty in forgiving other people. 
Do not settle for passive acceptance of that heart condition. So often I think Christians, when we're dealing with sin, we just throw up our hands. Well, there's nothing else I can do. That's just the way it's going to be, I guess. Don't settle for that, Christian. God has given you weapons to declare war on the sin in your heart. And so I want to share those with you today before we go. Number one, the first thing you can do is pray. I know I'm stating the obvious here, but this is a sermon on prayer. And when you find yourself in that position of, I don't know how to forgive, I don't see it within me, the ability to forgive. They've hurt me too, too badly. They've, they've gone too far. They've done it too many times. And, and I just can't let go of that. You should pray. And when I say you should pray, I don't mean wimpy, well, let's give this another shot. God, I guess... I want you to help me forgive them. When I say pray, I'm talking about warfare type prayer. I'm talking about get alone with God, close the door, turn everything else off, get on your knees before God and cry out to Him. God, look at my heart. It's just full of, it's full of this nasty sin and darkness where I'm, I'm holding this grudge. I'm hanging on to, to resentment and bitterness. God, I need you to change this heart. I need you to come into the places that are dark and bring your light and let it shine brightly. I am praying to my Father in heaven. The God who created the earth, who created the universe, who created somehow my soul, who created my emotions and my desires, who knows me better than I know myself, and who has all power. And I'm pleading, change this unforgiving heart. Make it like yours. That's what I mean when I say pray. I mean Get, get alone with Him. Spend time with Him. Be persistent. Be, be determined to receive an answer to your prayers. S- allow God to humble you. Confess sin and expose yourself to, to Him and allow yourself to be open and ask Him for help. Say, God, help me to see what I need to see inside of here. Help me to see what I need to see about them. Help me to see what I need to see about you so that we can deal with this unforgiveness. That's what Jesus wants you to do when He says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Make prayer an opportunity for your heart to change. It's not just something you put on your to-do list. Well, I prayed today. There, another day went by where I prayed that God would help me forgive that person and nothing has really changed. Uh, perhaps God is waiting for you to get serious. Perhaps God is waiting for you to get real desperate about what you want to see Him do. And so pray to Him. Two, reflect on the Gospel. Don't forget the Gospel. 
You've got to keep that the main thing in your mind at all times in your Christian walk. That's why Jesus tells this parable. That parable is a parable of the gospel. He says, look, there's a king, there's two servants. One of them has a, an unrepayable debt. And the king, mercifully, because he, wants, because he seeks for forgiveness, mercifully forgives that debt. And then that guy, he goes and he finds somebody who owes him a much smaller amount and he demands repayment. Do you see the gospel in that? Do you see that you are, you are the one who has been forgiven an unrepayable debt? And what I love about that, that parable and, and ultimately the whole idea of forgiveness is that when God forgives, he doesn't, just, he doesn't just push it aside. He takes that debt on himself. That king lost $6 billion. How much did it cost him to forgive that man his debt? $6 billion. But he said, I'll take the hit. That I'll absorb the loss. That's what forgiveness is. And never are we more like our Father in Heaven than when we look at somebody who's sinned against us and we say, I'll take the hit. I'll absorb that loss. I'll let, I'll let it cost me. It's on me. That's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is, is not some hy- hypothetical thing where there's really no cost to the one who's forgiving the debt. Forgiveness means you'll take the loss. Are you willing to do that for others the way your Father in Heaven has done that for you? Reflect on the Gospel. Remember how much Jesus had to pay to forgive you. Remember what He did for you in hopes that that will help you forgive others of what they have done to you. And then the last thing that you can do, and by the way, these aren't, these aren't, do them like this. Do number one, if that doesn't work, move on to number two, and if number two doesn't work, move on to number three. No, these are three things that you can do all the time together that you should keep on doing. You need to be persistent in these. And the third is this, talk to a mature Christian about your desire to forgive. If you're really struggling with this, guys, don't struggle alone. Don't allow this to be a battle that you're facing alone. God has given you people who care about you, who want to be there for you, who want to help you. Maybe that's a good friend. Maybe that's a pastor. Maybe that's a Christian counselor. And if it is, let me tell you, there's no shame in that. There's absolutely no shame whatsoever in seeking out help from somebody else when you're struggling. And so you should do that. You should take advantage of all of the tools that God has given you. And you should wage war against your sin with all of the weapons that he has given you. And so you pray, and so you remind yourself of the gospel, and you reflect on it, and you reach out to somebody who can help you. But if you're going to do that third one, make sure it's somebody who can truly help you. Someone who's mature enough to handle what you, what you need to, to deal with them with. And make sure, notice it says, Talk to a mature Christian about your desire to forgive. There's no good that's going to come from you seeking out somebody to talk to about how awful that person who hurt you is. There's no good that'll come from that. It'll, it'll just win them over to your side at, at, at best. And, and that's a terrible situation to put them in. When you talk to them, talk to them about your desire to forgive. This isn't maybe a helpful conversation to have on your Facebook wall. 
something you need to take seriously and seek out the right person to talk to. So these are the things that God gives us. You see, God doesn't leave us helpless. He doesn't leave us without tools that we can use. And so the question ultimately is, are you using them? And ultimately, are you praying? Because that's where the majority of this work in your heart is going to happen. Are you spending time talking to your Father in heaven about these issues? Are you confessing sin and praying from a forgiven heart so that you can pray from a forgiving heart? If we're going to be a healthy church, then we got to be full of healthy people who are both forgiven and forgiving. And so don't give up. Ultimately, let me say this, if you're really struggling with this, don't let it completely derail your Christian walk. You just keep fighting. Sometimes forgiveness for, for other people doesn't come easy. That doesn't mean it's not going to come, and it certainly doesn't mean that you should stop seeking it. You just keep working, you keep doing the right things, you keep praying, keep reflecting on the gospel, you talk to people when it's appropriate, but you just keep going, and you don't give up on the fact that God wants your heart to be changed, and ultimately know that He's your helper in this. God sent the Holy Spirit to be your guide, to be your helper, to be your comforter for times just like this. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church. We invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Catanning, Petrolia Valley, Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.